Good morning, friends. Good morning. So good to see you guys. We are celebrating this gorgeous weather that we're having today compared to yesterday. The sun is out, and that's such a, a good start to this day. I'm so glad to be here worshiping with you all this morning. I want to encourage you to open up your hearts, uh, fix your eyes on the Lord this morning as we prepare our hearts for worship, as I read from Psalm, one, or Psalm 47, starting with verse 1. He says, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. I hope this morning that you can worship with a glad, sincere, and joyful heart. I am anticipating uh, what the Lord wants to do in this space today, how he wants to minister to us. And so I just want to invite you to pray with me this morning, okay? Gracious God, thank you, Lord, for this day. It's a new day, and your mercies are new for us today. And Lord, we are rejoicing. We are anticipating the word you have for your people. Lord, we are excited to see how you are moving in and among us. And we pray, God, that you wouldn't slow down or stop, but that you would keep moving in our midst. Lord, continue to guide us and direct us. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on you and to hear from your word today. Lord, we worship you this morning wholeheartedly. Lord Jesus, would you minister to us? Would you comfort us in the ways we, we need to be comforted? Would you speak to us, Lord, what we need to hear? Lord, would you remind us of your faithfulness once again this morning? Lord, as we are going to sing, would you continue to build your kingdom here? Would you continue to work among us? Would you continue, Lord, to show us your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Help us, Lord, to respond and be participants in that work. Lord, we love you. We're worshiping you and you alone this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Would you remain in the attitude of worship and pray with me this morning? Gracious Lord, we thank you for the reminders of your faithfulness, for the reminders of the love that you have for us. Lord, we just pray that as your people that we would continue to be witnesses to that love and faithfulness. Lord, as your people, may we stand before you humbly this morning with humble, open hearts ready to receive the words you have for us. Lord, I pray for those in this space this morning that come with, with burdens. We know, Lord, that many, if not all of us, come here into this space this morning carrying something heavy, something that is, is weighing us down, weighing our spirits down. Lord, I just pray that you would speak life into us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that, a fresh dose of your love and your goodness and your grace and your mercy that can keep us going, 
that can help us, Lord, to pick our head up, to fix our eyes on you, and to keep going. Lord, we thank you for the invitation that we might come and and lay our burdens down before you and receive yours, which is light. Thank you, Lord, for how you faithfully show up day after day to help us. We are weak. We are fallen. We are fallible, Lord. So easily distracted. And Lord, you and your goodness and your love and your mercy, you show up for us time and time again. And you give us more grace, more love, more mercy. Help us again, Lord. Help us to be people that that in return can be people of that same love, sharing that same grace and mercy with, with our neighbor, with the other, with our family members, our co-workers, our classmates, Lord. Help us to be faithful in the call to be Jesus in the world, to, to point the world to the hope found in Jesus. Teach us and guide us this morning, Lord. I pray that these words would be yours and yours alone. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, today, believe it or not, we are three weeks past Easter. Three weeks past Easter, it seems like just yesterday, but here we are three weeks later. And as people of the resurrection, I'm here to remind you, let us not miss this morning that we are still celebrating the implications of Easter and of resurrection. We are resurrection people. We don't notice that one day a year and celebrate that one day a year, but we celebrate this every Sunday, every week, every day. The implications of Easter are still just as profound today as they were three weeks ago. And it's because of Easter, because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we can read passages like what we are going to read today and celebrate them and receive them and celebrate the work that God is doing all around because he is indeed at work all around Well, we are continuing in this series, Surprised by Jesus, this week. And um, just in case you think that I've mixed my messages up, uh, you will notice that today's message doesn't focus on one of the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Uh, That today, I felt led to go in a different direction. I wanted to continue to build upon what we talked about last week and what we saw last week in Peter's life. See, last week we, we paused and we looked at that moment in which Jesus shows up to Peter and the disciples as they are fishing, as they go back to kind of what they know and love and what they're good at. And Jesus lovingly and graciously reminds Peter that despite his failures, despite his mistakes, that he is still called. That he is not, it's not time for him to give up. It's time to get up and keep going, Peter, because you are called. You are the rock on which I I will build my church. You cannot give this up. You have to keep going. 
And so I wanted to continue to build upon that because, see, I wonder, I, I, I wonder as I was thinking about this, I thought when Peter got up and when he accepted that call once again to keep going, to follow Jesus, even if it meant laying down his life for Jesus, which it would, I can't help but wonder if Peter could have ever saw what was coming that we're going to read in our passage today. I wonder if he had prepared himself for the worst, laying his life, his physical life down for Jesus, and yet was he surprised by the the crazy thing that God is going to call him to do. See, we're still going to be surprised by God in our passage today. Even though we're not looking at a resurrection appearance, we're still going to see that Peter was so surprised by what God was calling him to do in this passage. And so if you would like to, go ahead and open up your Bibles or your Bible app on your phone to Acts chapter 10. And before we dive into our our main passage, I've got to give you a little bit of backstory just so we're all on the same page and caught up on on what's happening here because the backstory is very important to today's passage. You can kind of follow along in Acts chapter 10 starting at the beginning. We read about a man named Cornelius. And and as you read Luke uh, describing kind of who Cornelius is, you'll read that that Luke describes him as a centurion. As a centurion, he's a Roman military official, okay? So one of the guys who were pro-kill Jesus, okay? One of of many who oppressed and, and mistreated the Jews and who were more angry than ever at what the Jews stood for. That's who this guy was associated with. He was a, a Gentile. He was not a Jewish man. And yet, that's important because as Luke points out about Cornelius, he, he calls Cornelius a God-fearing man. And not just like, I respect God, I respect the authority of God, but he does something that God calls his people to do. Luke says he gave faithfully to those in need. Cornelius gave to those in need, and Luke says that he kept times of prayer. That reminds us of of the Jewish structured prayer time. Cornelius held to this. Cornelius embodied what God's people were supposed to embody. Cornelius lived out this, this calling of the people of God, even though he was not included in that original people group. And yet here is this Gentile man living out the faithfulness of God in his life. And I wonder if, if God saw Cornelius, looked on Cornelius with some favor perhaps and love it and says, I can use that. I'm going to use Cornelius. And so then Luke tells us about Peter. Peter is, is on his way. He's just entered into the city of Joppa when he goes up into a rooftop to pray. And during this time, Luke tells us that Peter falls into kind of like this trance. And I know it's a little bit weird, but you just kind of got to go with it. And he's, he's in this trance and he's praying and then he has this vision. God appears to Peter in this vision. And you're likely familiar with the story. God in this vision appears to Peter and says, Peter, get up, kill these animals and eat. But you have to really pay attention to the story to realize that Peter was just instructed to kill animals that Jews do not associate with. They don't come close to. They certainly don't eat. And Peter, being the good Jewish man he is, even when God is speaking to him, says, By no means 
such direct language from Peter. He says, by no means will I be doing that, Lord. And God argued and went back and forth with Peter, not once, not twice, but three times, because you just have to love the irony of Peter and his stubbornness, right? And so finally, he, he kind of obeys, but it's also left a little bit unresolved. And here's the thing. I don't think Peter had a problem with the menu, because who's going to be mad about it? Who's going to be mad that you can now have a barbecue, Peter? Go find you some, some, some ribs and grill them up, and it's going to be delicious. No one is mad about this. And so I don't think Peter is mad about the menu or has a problem with the menu. The problem is Peter thinks he truly believes that he knows what is unclean and what is clean even when God is speaking to him about it. Lord, I can't do that. You're asking me to do something that goes against everything I grew up believing, everything I embraced. You're, you're asking me to go against everything that I am as a Jewish man. And so again, this is left somewhat resolved. God, God brings um, some men that are coming to, to find Peter and to bring him to Cornelius' house. And, and I love how God warns Peter ahead of time. He's saying, essentially, some men are going to come to your house, Peter. Don't hesitate to go with them. I feel like at this point, God has to be very clear with Peter. Don't hesitate, indicating he probably would have, because these are Gentile men that you're going to invite into your home, which would still be frowned upon by society, right? But not as much as they would frown upon him going to a Gentile's home, which he's going to do the very next day. And so that brings us to the main portion of our, of our passage in Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 34. Would you stand for this reading this morning? Because here's what I want you to understand, that what Peter would say next, this is going to disrupt a lifetime of teaching, a lifetime of training, and a lifetime of being for Peter and his people. So let's read verse 34. Peter, upon entering Cornelius' house, he began to speak. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. You get a little bit of resurrection appearances thrown in there. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord this morning for us. Thank you, God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The question I want to start off with this morning and I'm going to ask you to just pause and think about this. 
The question I want to start off with, is there something that you now know? Is there something that you now know, something that that God has revealed to you at this point in your relationship with him and your walk with the Lord, something that maybe you didn't realize some time ago, something that the Lord has perhaps changed your mind about? See, Peter is, is preaching this message of the gospel once again. This is not the first time he has preached this gospel message. We recall Pentecost, right? That, that was, Peter is well, well acquainted with preaching the gospel, but he's now preaching the gospel, understanding it in a different way. He's saying, I now know that God does not show favoritism. I now know that God is not partial. And there, this is a new way of looking at things and people For Peter, he's essentially saying, I used to think this, but God has changed my mind. God has changed the way I understand this. I like how Will Willimon says that in regards to this passage, he says, this is an upsetting, exciting, world-reversing word. And it is, isn't it? He flips Peter's world upside down. Peter is retelling this gospel story from a new perspective. And it's like we really need to key in and highlight some of those things that he says. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Not those who who made the first step. Not those who looked the part. Not those who were, were appealing to the eye. In fact, it was the exact opposite. He, he healed all who were under the power. And everyone who believes in him, whether we think they're worthy of it or not, whether we think they're deserving of it or not, no matter what they've done, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness and is made right with God. Is there something that you now know that God has changed your heart about, that God has changed your mind about, so that you can see what he is doing all around you? Here's what I think about when I read this this passage this week, and I really thought about it and was reflecting on on what's happening here. And as I'm letting people who are much smarter than than myself pour into that and help me understand this in a different way. Here's what I think. I think Christians, you and I, I'm speaking very generally here, okay? I I think that, that we tend to think about people in terms of who's in and who's out, Who's righteous and who's not? Who's holy and who isn't? Who's right and who's wrong? Who's clean and who's unclean? I think oftentimes when we look at people, not always, sometimes when we look at people, we tend to categorize them in these ways. And yet this gospel that Peter is preaching in this this new way, this is the gospel that you and I have received Not only Gentile people, by the way, but but fallen, uh, marred individuals who who no longer reflect that, that image of God that he wanted us to reflect. You and I, who have messed that up, this is the gospel that you and I received, and this is the same gospel that you and I are to share with others. And yet, sometimes we we do so, but we do so in, in light of, well, who's Who's worthy of this inclusivity? Who's, who's shown themselves to, to be worthy of this? Who, who has proven to, to earn this and deserve this in the way I deem 
is right. Peter has just declared that God does not show partiality, and yet so often we do. And I don't think we mean to, but we do. We are inclined to also, by the way, I think another way that we get this wrong is that we, we're inclined to surround ourselves with people who look like us, who think like us, who talk like us, who act just like us, who live like us, who vote like us. And this is often the makeup of our churches. And I wonder if that's the case because when we're in these spaces, it helps us to feel safe and comfortable and seen. I feel like my opinion is important and it matters and the way that I view things matters and no one's going to change my mind on that. And I wonder if by doing this, if we're keeping God in our safe, predetermined categories and missing out on what he's trying to do and missing out on the ways in which he is trying to move. See, God appeared to Peter in a way that would allow him to see just how far God is willing to go to reach others so that they would be welcomed into the family of God. And here's the thing, it was not going to be comfortable for Peter. Are you kidding? This was not going to be comfortable for Peter, but he goes anyway. This was going to go against everything he was taught to associate with a Gentile, but he goes anyway. This was not acceptable company for him. Others likely saw this and judged him so hard for this. And yet he went anyway because Peter is now aware. He now knows that because of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of King Jesus, that the kingdom of God is breaking in in new and unexpected ways. And that's going to push up against our safe boundaries. That's going to push up against our comfort zones. That's going to cause us to have to step outside of our comfort zone, go somewhere we might not have gone otherwise, so that we can see the ways in which God is trying to do something new. Because the in-breaking kingdom of God completely disrupts and disturbs the boundaries that we create between us and the other. I'll let you decide who the other is. It's different for all of us. I like how Matt Skinner, he's a professor at Luther Seminary. Matt Skinner, he says, For these men... The significance of Jesus' resurrection does not consist in merely knowing or reciting details about an empty tomb, as vital as such details may be. More important, the resurrection provides them evidence of God's commitment to all humanity, a commitment that Peter, thanks to his recent experiences, has just come to perceive in a new light. See, church, God is, is committed to reaching all people. He's committed to it. He's not going to stop until all people are reached. And if God has to, he's going to disrupt and disturb the boundaries that we place in our lives if that means that we can continue to reach all people that he's trying to reach. If we've got to move something out of the way, if we've got to get rid of a, a, a formed opinion about a certain group or a certain type of people or a certain person so that we can reach them, so that God can be made known to them, then you better believe he's going to encourage us to do that. So often, 
God wanting to reach all people, guess what? This might be a surprise to us, not really, but he wants to do that in and through us, the church. And it's important to understand that this at times might mean that God is going to challenge or even change the way we think about certain people or situations. God might at times call us to move outside these traditional boundaries and and assumptions in order to reach the other, those we consider outsider. So I want to ask you a hard question this morning, okay? What will happen if God calls you to someone who couldn't be more different from you? What happens? Don't just jump up and say, I'll go. Pause. Really think about it. Think about the person that you most hope that he's not going to call you to. What if he does? Will you go? What will your response be if if God calls you to the most uncomfortable place you could possibly go as a Christian? And by the way, just to be extra clear here, God is not going to call us somewhere that is going to be unhealthy to who he's called us to be. We all go through different things in life, and God wants to protect us, right? And I don't just mean, like, protect our our, our lives, but I just mean certain people can't go to certain places, and we understand that. And so God sometimes is not going to call us to certain places that are not going to be healthy for our mind, for where we're at. Hopefully that makes sense. But oftentimes, just because it's not unhealthy doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable, And these are the places that he calls us, the uncomfortable places. See, in this passage that we read today, lives were changed. Lives were were deeply and profoundly changed. And Gentile people, people who were once excluded, they experienced a fresh pouring of the Spirit of God. And they experienced God in these new and profound ways. And it was because of Peter's obedience and willingness to go somewhere he never thought he would go. What about us? Are we willing with the Holy Spirit's power, to step outside of our comfort zone and go somewhere we never thought we'd go. Talk to someone we never thought we would talk to. Here's where the message gets really hard. And if you feel like it's hard for you, just know that it's really hard for me. The message gets hard when I remind us that while we don't struggle with the Jew-Gentile divide, we in this space don't, don't typically struggle with that divide, we're kidding ourselves if we say that we don't have our own racial, cultural, and social divides that keep us from reaching certain people or being used by God in certain situations. And I understand that this, is, this can be seen as somewhat controversial. I understand that. I hope you hear my heart and you give Lord, the Lord space to speak into this this morning. I think the easy thing to do is to walk around and pretend like everything's fine and ignore the obvious divides that we see around us. Or to walk around and see it, but choose not to to get involved in any way, shape, or form or have any kind of conversations because it's just too much. Or I have a a, a preconceived opinion about what's going on and I'm not going to involve myself in these conversations. I think it's... It's somewhat easy for us to do that. 
And I think the real tragedy of this is, is that it seems to me, and, and I'm open for discussion on this later, but it seems to me that, that we can't even have these important conversations, that we can't even name the divisions and, and the problems and the divides that we see in Christian circles. The people of God can't even have these conversations because even we are so divided and, and, and we have such a hard time seeing something the same way as our brother or sister in Christ who loves the Lord, who wants to serve the Lord, who wants to be a part of what God is doing just as much as you do. And yet these conversations tear us apart. We can't even talk about it in Christian circles because that's how bad it seems right now. Instead, we, we formulate our opinions, our thoughts, what we see, what I myself see, and then we surround ourselves with people who think like us, who look like us, who live like us, and who further affirm what we think we know. Rarely do I see us, myself included, reach across the divide and have conversations with those who don't see things the same way as I do. And I just want to ask us this morning, the hard part's over. I just want to ask us this morning, are we sure that God is cool with this? Are we sure, absolutely sure, that God is in favor of this? That once we have our opinions, our thoughts, this is how I see it. Are we sure that, that God has called us to just stay put in that? Or do we want to give room for the Holy Spirit to speak life into that? to maybe possibly move in a new and fresh way, to give me a changed heart and a changed mind and maybe just maybe say, oh, I now know. I now know. And if we can do that, if we can allow room for the Holy Spirit to check us, I'm just asking him, I'm asking you to let him check you. Let him check you where you're at, where your heart is. Let him check that. Be open to him maybe moving you from one space to another. And if we can do that, if we can open up our hearts and our minds, I wonder if the Holy Spirit will take that and if God will open up new opportunities and move in new and fresh ways. I wonder if it's possible if we can open up our hearts, our doors, our kitchen tables to those that come from a different place than us, just like Peter and Cornelius did. Because these two men, in case you don't realize, they sat down at the same table and shared a meal together. And that was crossing every line and boundary that was ever placed. <laughs> that was going completely against what was socially acceptable. And they sat down at a table and they had what I believe would be life-changing conversations that would change the way both of them ministered in the future. Would we be willing to do that same thing? have those healing conversations around the table with those we disagree with, with our enemy, with those who we might say in our minds we hate, with those who have different religious or political views? Would, even, would we even be willing to do that, to let the Holy Spirit do something new and fresh in that space? And if I can quote Will Willimon once more, this was too good to pass up. He says, if Jesus is Lord... If Jesus is Lord, 
then the church has the adventurous task of penetrating new areas of his lordship, expecting surprises and new implications of the gospel, which cannot be explained on any basis other than the Lord has shown us something we could not have seen on our own, even if we were only looking at scripture. Do we believe that this is possible? That this is the God who calls us and he is faithful? Who is the Gentile soldier, if you will, that God might be calling you to? Despite your initial hesitation or response of, by no means will I be doing that. (laughs) Who is the Gentile soldier that God might be calling you to? And here's the thing, maybe this moment or this conversation or this this person that he might be calling you to, maybe that's not going to have an eternal significance, although I hope we're having those conversations too. I hope we're having conversations with people that will have an eternal significance, that will change someone's life forever, for eternity. I hope we're having those conversations, but even if that's not exactly what it is, a healing conversation who might, be, who might we be willing to sit down with and just have that healing conversation that heals both our hearts and theirs? Can we trust that in those moments and in those conversations that the kingdom of God is once again at work, bringing new life, healing, unity among the people of God and for the kingdom of God? I saw this story that I had to share with you this morning. I know I'm going a little bit long today, but I couldn't pass up sharing this story that I think really describes what this looks like. And, and of course, it's, you know, probably on a secular level, not a spiritual level, but it, it'll help you, I hope, to see the point. So I, I saw this story about this man named Carlos. He is a, a black man that lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and he has this neighbor that lives across the street from him. His name is James, and he's an older white gentleman, and, and they've lived across the street from each other for years. And Carlos, who is, by the way, a, a Christian, he's a Christian speaker, and he says that he would often see James out in his yard, and he would wave at him and, and say, hey, neighbor, And every time that was met with just completely ignoring him or just looking down and walking the other way, and he was never met with any kind of of greeting or anything, not even a wave or a look in that direction. And so after time, Carlos, who has his own issues with with that racial tension and divide that we are not immune, right, we we experience this, and he, he began to form these opinions about his neighbor. And he thought, well, he must not like me. He must not like me because I'm black. He must have a problem with me. I must have done something to offend him. Until one day, Carlos was mowing his lawn, and he looked up, and he saw his neighbor James. His neighbor James had two white porcelain bunnies in his front yard. And one day, Carlos was mowing his lawn, and he looked up, and he saw his neighbor James bit down, spray-painting one of those bunnies black. It was last summer summer of 2020. And Carlos, it took him a minute because he was like, why is he painting his bunnies black? And he waited to see if he was going to go paint the other one black, but he didn't. He spray painted one black, he got up, and he walked back in the house. And Carlos said at that moment, he stopped mowing and he wept. He wept because he realized what his neighbor was doing and saying. That that was his way of saying, I see you. 
I see you. I see where you're at. I see the problem. I see you. And so Carlos got up, walked over to his neighbor, and he said, I had to come talk to you. I hope this is okay, but I had to come talk to you. I saw what you did with your bunny. And those two sat there, and he recorded this whole conversation, and and news stories picked up on it and shared it. You can see it online. And these two men, they had a healing conversation. They had a conversation that changed Carlos' mind and heart and James' mind and heart. And it reminded me that, that sometimes we don't know what's, what's up and what's down, what's right and what's wrong. Sometimes we don't even know what to think about it, right? But are we willing to pause and let the Lord speak new life into our hearts? Would we be willing to let him change our mind about someone or something? Because we still live in that tension, and, and, and that Jewish-Gentile tension that, that Peter experienced, that didn't just go away. Paul talks a lot in his letters about the Jewish-Gentile tension. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get easier. That moment between Peter and Cornelius didn't just magically make everything better from then on. They would continue to wrestle with the tension. And we do too. We continue to wrestle with divides and tensions But I just wonder if we let the Lord speak into those, what is it that he would be willing to do and say to us? I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. And I I didn't read it in our main passage, but I can't overlook verse 44. Because verse 44, Luke says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit came, and they essentially experienced another Pentecost in that moment. And this, my friends, is the hope of the Easter message, that we would see the Holy Spirit falling in new and fresh ways, that we would see God bringing people together for the kingdom, making a difference in the lives of those around us. And along with celebrating this Easter message, with that comes the call to unbiasedly share and live out this message with all people, with everyone. And call me crazy. Call me crazy, but I believe that because of this truth, because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is always, always, always at work, because of the life-changing power of the gospel, because of the love of Jesus that should be found and seen in us, I believe that the healing of deeply divided people groups is still possible. God can still do a new thing among us and fall in fresh and new ways. We just have to be open to how he wants to do it and willing to participate and be a part. What if it starts with you and I today? What if it starts with us, just the small group of people in this room? Can we pray that the Lord would use us right here, right where you are, tomorrow, on a Monday morning, wherever life finds you, would you pray that God would just use you however he wants to use you? And would you be willing to do whatever it is he's asking you to do? Let it be so with us, Lord. Let this be so with us. Let our our hearts and our eyes be so fixed on you 
and in such harmony with you and your love and your word that we would be faithful in sharing this gospel in both what we say and in what we do so that all might experience the life-changing love of Jesus. May we not hold this message or this good news or this love back because we've, we've tried before and it didn't work or that person has completely offended me and I'm done with them or I've been too hurt by this people group or this race and, and I'm not doing it anymore, I'm done. Lord, may you come in and completely disrupt where we're at and bring healing and continue to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven where we will all stand arm in arm together one day praising the same God who met us in our mess right where we were and drew us to himself. May we be willing to ask the hard questions. May we be willing to have the impossibly hard conversations. May we be willing to push through whatever it is that's keeping us from experiencing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Continue to call us, Lord. Continue to use us. Be willing to use us again so that we can faithfully respond. And Lord, we anticipate the ways in which you will move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and sing.